0: And uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with His Word, and more in love with people. Well, I pray that uh, Jesus is the authority in your life. Amen? And uh, I pray uh, everybody had a good Christmas. And uh, let me go ahead and uh, be one of the first, if not the first, to wish you a very happy uh, new year. Can you believe that today is December the 31st? Man, it just seems like yesterday we started 2023, but let me ask a question, who's ready for 2024? I mean, I hope everybody's excited because 2023 wasn't that special. I mean, there's a lot that we, could, uh, that we could say about 2023, but I think the greatest thing that we could say is that our Lord and Savior saw us through it, amen? He was with us every step of the way, and... Uh, I'll tell you, we have had a good Christmas, and uh, it's been good to have uh, Colby and Taylor in with us this week. That's been a blessing and a joy to have them with us, and uh, sorry to see them leave. They'll be heading back to uh, um, misery uh, later <laughs> today. I had to say it. Misery later today, and so you pray for them as they travel, but certainly, Lindy, it's good to see you back there in the back uh, holding up that, uh, your spot. It, it, it's not the same unless you're there holding it up and so uh, it's good to see you and so many others Certainly ask you to keep uh, those of our church family in prayer. I mean the list is on and on uh, Certainly we we'll want to continue to pray for uh, Dina uh, She was uh, sick this past week and uh, pray that she's continuing to recovery but also uh, Many others that are coming out of surgeries getting ready for surgeries, but I want to ask you to pray Uh, specifically this morning. If you would just remember uh, our staff member uh, for many, many years now, Carl Pearson. Carl is down at UVA uh, Medical Center, and uh, they're doing some testing to hopefully figure out all that is going on there, but uh, has been uh, already kind of been told that he has an acute kidney injury, and so we're not really sure what all that entails right now, but uh, uh, they're giving him uh the attention that he needs right now to figure out what's going on so i'd ask you to keep him in your prayer amen and uh so many others uh that we think about uh during this season of life and so i'd ask you to keep one another in prayer if you have your bible this morning turn with me to luke chapter 2 luke chapter 2 and uh man you say we've been in luke chapter 2 all month you're correct and we're going to finish out the month with luke chapter 2 if you recall, we started the month by talking about the beginning of Christmas. And certainly, let's be honest, the beginning of Christmas really begins with the fact that God is a God of love. Aren't you thankful that He loves you? I'm thankful that He loves me. We talked about the beginning of Christmas. We talked about the joy of Christmas. And uh, I can tell you there's one who walks about seeking whom He may devour, one who wants to take your joy at all costs. Maybe he's tried to do it this month, and his name is the devil, but uh, we talked about the joy of Christmas. The choir had their musical, and Chad preached to us uh, during that time about the hope of Christmas, and then last week on Christmas Eve during the morning, we talked about the peace of Christmas, but this topic came up about three weeks ago in Sunday school class, and and it just happened to be something that I had been reading about and had put some notes aside uh, for. And so this morning I want us to look at Luke chapter 2 and we'll begin. We'll uh, finish our month with a special message and I pray that it will be a blessing to you. Look with me beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, as we know, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Aren't you glad for that? And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us so much that you would send your son Jesus into this world to die for our sins. God, I pray that as we wrap up this month, as we really conclude uh, 2023, Lord, that our our hearts and our minds might be focused on you to better serve you, to to be a better steward of all the amazing things and all the wonderful gifts that you've bestowed upon us. Your word tells us that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from you. So Father, I pray that you would give us the wherewithal to, to, uh, to live in a way that brings you honor and glory as we enter into this new opportunity of a new year. Lord, we do think of those from our church family who are in need of your healing, who are in need of your grace and mercy and guidance and wisdom. and Lord, who might just need you to restore relationships even amidst their own family or or maybe a friend or a co-worker and so lord i pray that you would do what only you can during this season of life but this morning right now i pray that you would kind of keep all the distractions away from us lord that you might allow us just for a few moments of time to draw our attention to what you have for us and i pray that it would be profitable lord i pray above all that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight because you are my strength and you are my redeemer. Lord, I love you and I praise you for what you'll do. And we do so in all the things that we ask. We do so in the precious and powerful name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake. And God's people said, amen. Well, again, it's good to have you. Look with me. We're gonna jump right in. And I want you to see, we're gonna talk about the significance of the swaddling clothes. And I don't know if you've ever Uh, thought about the swaddling clothes very much. But if you look here in verse number 7, notice right away, verse number 7 actually reveals that Mary, after giving birth to God's only son, it says that she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and she laid him in a manger. And then if you notice in verse number 12, the angel uh, tells the shepherds, right? So Mary does this, wraps the child in swaddling clothes, lays him in a manger. And then the angel of the Lord comes and he tells the shepherds, he says, hey, listen, listen. You're going to find the babe, you're going to find this child, you're going to find him wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. So in the span of six verses, we see this phrase or this idea of swaddling clothes appearing twice. And since Luke, many of you know Luke was a a physician, a doctor if you please, there must be something here, it kind of arrested my attention, there must be something here for us to grasp. And so, uh, really, I was, as I started looking at this a few weeks ago, and then we had this discussion in Sunday school, I said, you know what? I've got to finish putting something together on the swaddling clothes. And so, as we look back into the Old Testament, we go all the way back to Ezekiel chapter 16 And the Bible gives us this beautiful picture surrounding the... I don't even like to use the word the metaphorical, but surrounding the birth of the nation of Israel. But notice it gives us this picture in a negative sense, but also gives us some clues as to what would be done when a baby was born. Notice in Ezekiel 16, in verse number 4, the Bible says, And as for thy nativity, God says... He's speaking to the nation of Israel. In the day that thou wast born, he says, notice, he says, your navel wasn't cut. He says, neither was thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor, says, swaddled at all. And so even though these things in Ezekiel 16, 4 are not are not happening with the uh, nation of Israel when they were birthed, these are things that moms and dads They certainly would have happened in the birth of a child. And so stay with me. You think about it. When a child is born, the umbilical cord is cut. Maybe you're a dad here like me who got the opportunity. Uh, I'm just going to be real transparent. When Colby was born, I was too scared. The doctor said, hey, dad, do you want to cut the umbilical cord? I said, no, sir. No, you better do that. You better do that. I I, I, I better not touch uh, what's going on there. Uh, when Casey was born, I said, yeah, give me them scissors. <laughs> I, 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 over the years, I got braver. And so we know that right away, when a child is born, the umbilical cord is cut. But secondly, we also know, even in hospitals today, that when a child is born, the baby is immediately washed with water. You're thankful for that, all right? The baby's body, also when babies were born, the baby's bodies. At this time in the Old Testament, they would have been rubbed with a mixture of salt and olive oil. And you say, Where are you getting this? Well, stay with me just for a second. And then the baby would have been swaddled. By the way, the word swaddle still today means to wrap or to envelop a baby tightly in cloth. Anybody ever swaddle a baby? Believe me, uh, I wrapped. We had these little baby blankets when the boys were born, and I remember wrapping them so tight they could not move. It was like we were mummifying these children, right? And so we, even today, you see, even in hospitals... When children are born, they immediately take the child, they wash the child, they prepare the child, right? Make sure everything's clear out, they clear the sinuses, the ears, the nose, the mouth, everything, and then they wrap this baby as tight as can be, and some of you have had that experience uh, more recent than uh, some of us. But if we go back into Luke chapter 2, swaddling clothes mentioned, this idea of swaddling clothes mentioned At this time, it would have been these long strips or long bands, if you please, of cloth or linen. And moms, even in this time, would have understood that wrapping such strips of cloth would not only provide comfort for these children who were wrapped tightly, but it would also provide this sense of warmth and this sense of being protected, just as my wife and I wrapped our boys oh so long ago. But I digress, look back in Luke chapter 2 Because the angel, look at verse number 12 The angel gives two signs Two signs in order to identify the baby Who was born, the anointed one Who was born Savior and who was born Lord Because if you look in verse number 11 I digress just for a second Verse number 11 says For unto you is born this day in the city of David Number one, a Savior Number two, he is the Christ And number three, he is Lord And so the angel, when we get to verse number 12, says, hey, here's two signs. You're going to find this child who's been born, right? A Savior who's been born, Christ, who's been born as Lord of Lords. You're going to find this anointed one, this Savior, this Lord. You're going to find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, and you're going to find him lying in a manger. You say, I'm still not picking it up. Just stay with me, because I dare say, that the, the angels' announcement to the shepherds, uh, yes, it was to ensure that they had the right baby and uh, that he was the savior of the world, but the symbolism would have been especially applicable to these shepherds. If you think about it, just as I read from this passage in Ezekiel, it's likely, it's very likely, that when Jesus was born, water, salt, olive oil... ...and linen were all used just as moms used those things during that time with childbirth. In fact, Ezekiel mentions it in the negative in reference to the nation of Israel. But the mere fact that it's mentioned is a pretty good indication that these were part of a regular childbirth even in those days. However, when we think of water, when we think of salt, when we think of olive oil and even swaddling clothes, stay with me, all of those things would have been applicable when it came to Old Testament sacrifices. When people went and made sacrifices in the temple back in the Old Testament, these things would have been a part of it. And so after cutting the umbilical cord, you say, where do you get that? Well, you have to go to Leviticus for a lot of this. But after cutting the umbilical cord, water was used in the washing of the baby. Likewise, when somebody was sacrificing a bullock, when somebody was sacrificing a, a sheep or a goat and on and on, this would have been part of it. And so let me read for you. In Leviticus 1, nine. the Bible says in reference to a bullock, it says, but his inwards and his legs shall he wash in water and the priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt a sacrifice, an offering made with fire of a sweet Savior unto the Lord. If you flip over in regards to a sheep or a goat, Leviticus 13 But he shall wash the inwards and the legs with water and the priest shall bring it all and burn it upon the altar. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet Savior unto the Lord. And then it's reaffirmed one more time in Leviticus 9 and 14. And I'm reading these for a purpose. Watch. He did wash in the inwards and the legs and burnt them upon the burnt offering of the altar. So we see very quickly that not only was water used when a child was born, but water, stay with me, water was used when offering a sacrifice in the Old Testament. Not only was water used, but salt was used. Now, I've already told you that salt was typically combined with olive oil to make kind of a uh, exfoliant, I guess, ladies would say in today's vernacular, made like a little exfoliant and rubbed over the child's body. And you say, well, where do we get this? Well, in Leviticus 2.13, the Bible says, And every oblation of thy meat offering shall thou season with salt. Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from the meat offering. With all thine offerings thou shalt offer salt. Folks, Jewish mothers, Jewish mothers would have been mindful that salting their baby rubbing their baby with this mixture of salt and olive oil. You see, even the babies like this. The babies are like, salt and oil, it sounds terrible. I'm crying, right? They Jewish mothers would have been mindful that rubbing their children was a symbol of them, watch this, giving their child back to the Lord or as an offering, thanking God. For what God had done. This was a picture. There was symbolism in water, and salt, in olive oil. Olive oil is also mentioned as being used in the offering of sacrifices in Leviticus 2.1. And, uh, and when any will offer a meat offering unto the Lord, his offering shall be a fine flour, and he shall pour oil upon it and put frankincense thereon. So very quickly, we could see the role of water, salt, and olive oil in Old Testament sacrifices But you may be wondering, well, Pastor, I didn't hear you mention swaddling clothes at all, so I guess you were wrong. Well, I don't think that I'm wrong. I believe that we'll see in Scripture here in just a minute the connection when we compare Scripture with Scripture. But the thing is, we have to think about and consider these shepherds back in Luke chapter 2. So look back in Luke chapter 2, because when we consider these shepherds, who were there at that time and the angel of the Lord appears to them, these shepherds were most likely temple or Levitical shepherds. You say, please, no more Leviticus. I'm gonna give you one more verse in Leviticus in just a second, but here's the deal. These were probably temple or Levitical shepherds who were watching over their flock by night. And as such, the flock that they would have been watching over by night, the sheep that they would be tending to The reality is that some of those sheep would have been those sheep who were offered as temple sacrifices down the road. Now, stay with me. When the female or the ewe sheep was ready to deliver their baby lambs, the temple or Levitical shepherds would take them to a place, and here we go. We're going to start to connect the dots here. They would take them to a place called the Migdal Eder, or translated as Tower of the Flock. That tower of the flock, or the Migdal Eder, sat just north of Bethlehem. It sat just north of Bethlehem and literally was overlooking the valley towards Jerusalem. If you see Jerusalem just above, you see Bethany over to the right, and that's a a place that we hear a lot about as Jesus is preparing to go back to Jerusalem to be uh, uh, crucified. But here on the northern edge of Bethlehem, you would find the Migdal Eder, or the tower of a flock. Now the reality is that even though this tower was originally built as a lookout post to offer protection to those who lived in Bethlehem, what made this tower so special uh, is that the bottom level of this tower would have been used, you ready for it? It would have been used by shepherds of that day as kind of a care facility, almost like a hospital, almost like a delivery ward, uh, a neonatal center for sheep. And they would use it. Now, the picture on the left is emblematic of what maybe the tower looked like during the time of Jesus, all right? And so today they have something, a structure that looks like the bigger picture. But let's be honest, we're talking about uh, more than 2,000 years ago now. And so this is what the tower typically would have looked like. You say, I'm still not getting it. Well, get ready, because the prophet Micah He prophesies about Jesus being born in Bethlehem. Does anybody remember that in Micah chapter 5 in verse number 2? But seven verses before he prophesies about the birth of Jesus, he also tells us about the tower of the flock in Micah chapter 4 in verse number 8. Here's what he says. And thou, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion... Unto thee, watch it, shall it come. Even the first dominion, the kingdom, shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. And if we go back to Genesis 35, and if you have your Bible, I want you to go there. Look at Genesis 35. We'll only be there for a second. But I want you to see something in Genesis 35. This is where we find this Migdal Eder, or the Tower of Flock, being mentioned for the very first time in Scripture. Okay, so this is kind of like a puzzle. You got to kind of do your homework and go point to point to point to point to kind of come together with an idea. What is the significance of the swaddling clothes? And so look in Genesis 35, in verse number 21, the Bible says, And Israel journeyed and spread his tent beyond the Tower of Eder." Now, he had already journeyed with his dear wife, and this Tower of Eder, this, this Migdal Eder, Tower of the Flock, is literally referencing the place, the exact place that Jacob actually buries the love of his life, Rachel. Anybody remember that? He buries Rachel there after giving birth to Benjamin. Now, I want you to look a few verses before, because in verse number 18, you remember as Benjamin is, as the child is being born, you remember his mother, uh, Rachel, she says that she wants to name the child Benoni. She wants to name him Benoni, and that literally means man of sorrow. But in verse number 18, she says, hey, let's name him Benoni. But Jacob says, no, I'm not gonna name him Benoni, I'm not gonna name him man of sorrow. His name shall be Benjamin, son of my right hand. So you see this playing out, and you say, well, where else do we see this? Well, in Isaiah 53, in verse number 3, you see mom and dad, what they're saying is coming to play in Scripture, because in Isaiah 53, the Bible says that he was despised, prophesying about Jesus. He was despised and rejected of men. Watch it, a man of sorrows. There it is. His mom is referencing something. It's, it's a future picture of our Lord in Isaiah 53.3. Well, also, you think, well, what about Benjamin? If you go to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 20, we know that the Father set Jesus. Look, in verse 20, it says, He set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. And so we see this coming to play in what mom had said about uh, Benjamin and also what dad had said. But these so-called temple shepherds would have also been tasked. Watch this. In their job of watching the sheep, the flock, so to speak, they would have been tasked with discerning which sheep were acceptable with sacrifice. So we see from its earliest days, the temple or this tower, excuse me, may have been used as a military structure. But by the time we get to Jesus' birth, this thing is being used in the bottom level by shepherds, who are trying to discern, watch this, what sheep, what baby lambs are acceptable to be sacrificed at the temple. And so what was needed for a lamb to be sacrificed? It had to be without what? It had to be without blemish and without spot. You're going to start to see some things take place. Leviticus 1.3, in fact, says it this way. If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, watch it, let him offer a male without blemish, and he shall offer it on his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. And so look back in Luke chapter 2 in verse number 7, the Bible says, And she brought forth her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. The word manger means literally a feeding trough where cattle, where ox, where sheep, where goats, where they would feed. And so this was a picture of of where Jesus was laid. And despite what we have seen, and even despite what we have represented here in front of uh, uh, the lectern, the reality is mangers in ancient Israel would have been made of stone, not not of uh, wood or straw or hay. And here's a picture. There's a couple of pictures of stone mangers Uh, that I gave the guys. Where's the next one? That's a clearer picture. So that's typical of what a manger would have looked like during this time. Now, you have to do your research because according to the Mishnah, you say, I've never heard of the Mishnah. The Mishnah is the earliest or the first written recording of the oral law that had been passed down through centuries and time with the Jewish people. And they were told in the Mishnah that after examining these little baby lambs, these newborn males, those that without blemish or spot were to be destined to be Passover lambs. You say, what's the big deal? These Levitical shepherds, it was big business, folks. Because guess what? If you don't have goats, you don't have sheep. When you go to Jerusalem to make sacrifices and atonement for your sin... These Levitical shepherds would bring sheep by the thousands, literally by the thousands to the temple so that you could purchase them. It was a, a, a moneymaker. They were making money. And so these Levitical shepherds, they would have been very, very uh, uh, detailed in their observation when these, when these lambs were born, these male lambs were born, they would inspect them to see if they had no spot or no blemish, so that they could take them into Jerusalem. The spotless lambs would then be led to Jerusalem. They would be purchased by people. And so you think about it, and I started thinking about it the other day. You know these angels, this angel of the Lord could have revealed the Lord's birth to anyone. To be honest, God isn't held in a box like sometimes we like to put him to. So to be honest, the angel of the Lord could have revealed the birth of Jesus Christ to everyone all at once. You say, could that have been possible? With God, all things are possible. I mean, we're talking about the virgin birth right now, right? So it could have been possible, but what strikes me is that in God's wisdom, God sends his angel to reveal the birth of his son to a group of shepherds who are trained, who have expertise in looking, watch this, in looking at lambs, determining whether they are spotless or blemish-free to be offered as sacrificial lambs at the Passover. Why is this important? Well, in Luke chapter 2, when the angel says, a Savior has been born. When he references a Savior has been born, which is Christ the Lord, and that they would find him wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, I believe these shepherds with all my heart, I believe they would have known exactly where to look. Why? because that's exactly where sacrificial lambs were laid, under their purview. That's exactly what had been happening at the Tower of the Flock, at the Migdal Eder, right on the outskirts of Bethlehem. And you say, I'm not sure. I'm connecting the dots. Well, when they arrived, I believe that they saw the spotless Lamb of God laying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. Oh yes, when we consider the safety of this tower of the flock. Think about it. Even the tower of the flock. I'm reminded of Proverbs 18 and verse number 10. And the Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous run into it and is safe. You say, why did you bring up Proverbs 18, 10? Because you see that word tower? Are you ready for it? It is actually the Hebrew word migdal. It's referencing the Migdal Eder. It's the tower of the flock. Who is our tower? His name is Jesus. We run into him and we're safe. Without Jesus, there is no safety. Without Jesus, there is no peace. Without Jesus, there is no joy, and on and on we could go. And so we see this migdal, this idea of the tower showing up again and again through Scripture. In fact, if you go over to Nehemiah chapter 3 and verse number 1, we find the word migdal connected here with the sheep gate, where thousands of sacrificial lambs were led year after year from the Tower of the Flock all the way into Jerusalem to be sacrificed by the Levitical priests. Someone has to say, is that just a coincidence, Pastor? Can I just say something lovingly? You know the world that we live in right now likes to use the word coincidence a lot when it comes to the things of God. But I think not. I think God is trying to tell us something. I think God's Word is trying to point us to a truth here. Oh, the shepherds who raised and shepherded the flock of lambs that would later be sacrificed. Listen, they came face to face with the Lamb of God who would not only become the final sacrifice for their sins, but as 1 John 2 and 2 says, but for the sins of the whole world just like those sacrificial lambs who eventually ended up in Jerusalem year after year, again and again and again, atoning for sin. I'll buy another lamb next year. I'll buy another. And sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice. Just like those that had ended up in Jerusalem. Luke chapter 9 and verse 51. The Bible tells us this. When the time was come that he, Jesus, should be received up, he steadfastly set his face just like those lambs before him. You see, are you picking it up? Just like those lambs had been led to the slaughter. Luke chapter 9 and verse 51 says that Jesus set his face steadfastly to go to Jerusalem. He literally went to become the lamb for you and for me. That spotless lamb and offered himself for you and for me. Friends, Jesus, the Christ child, was born, I believe, in the same place or area that many of those Passover lambs was born. I believe he was laid in a manger just as they would have been laid in a manger. I believe he was swaddled just like all those Passover lambs had been swaddled. Oh, yes, I didn't share that with you, did I? You say, hold on, where did the swaddle come? Do you know that when the shepherds, uh, you got to read up on this, when the lambs were born... When they would find a male spotless lamb, you know what they would do? They would take that lamb and they would wrap the legs of that little baby lamb in swaddling clothes. Why? Because that stone manger, uh, I dare say if you and I tried to crawl in it, we would probably cut our arms on the shard of a rock or whatnot. And so in order to protect these baby lambs from becoming injured or, watch this, or having a blemish, They would literally wrap these baby lambs with swaddling clothes. And they would use this tower of the flock to go through this whole process. And so guess what? They would carefully watch these lambs because guess what? That lamb, there was a certain age requirement for these baby lambs before they were to be Passover lambs. And so there was a big thing about taking care of these lambs. And so Jesus Christ being born, laid in a manger and swaddled, it would have been the same process that we see. And you say, well, you said earlier that moms do it. Yeah, absolutely. Moms do it as well. Just as other mothers did, They—they they Mary did the same thing. But the reality is I also believe that God's Word is giving us a bigger picture. The Apostle Paul states in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And all of this points to what John the Baptist declared when he looked afar off. And you remember Andrew and the other disciple, they left right after this. And John saw Jesus coming and he said, He said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Hebrews 9 and 26, the Bible says, But now once in the end of the world he, speaking of Jesus, hath he, Jesus, appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And in 1 Peter 1, in verse 19 and 20, the Bible teaches us that you and I are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a, watch it, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. And so listen, the reality is that Jesus being wrapped in swaddling clothes, you know what we typically do? We typically read it and we say, yeah, big deal. That's what I did with my child. That's what I did with Kobe. That's what I did with Casey. That's what I did with this one or that one. There's something bigger at play. And you say, well, how can we be sure? You got to go back to the prophet Micah. Because Micah gives us the clue. Look in Micah chapter 5 and verse number 2. He says, but thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of these shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from old, from everlasting. A couple of things about that word Ephratah. Number one, the word means fruitfulness and comes from the primitive root word meaning to bear fruit. The only one who was able to bear the fruit of our forgiveness is Jesus Christ. And guess what? He was born in Bethlehem, Ephratah is what Micah said. But you say, what's the big deal? If you looked closely back in Genesis chapter 35, Ephrata is the exact place where Rachel was buried. It's the exact place where they had that discussion Father and mother, we're going to name him son of sorrows? No, we're going to name him son of my right hand. And it's a foreshadowing. It's a foretaste of glory divine and Jesus Christ the righteous. And it all took place. And Micah is saying, behold, he says here, but thou Bethlehem Ephratah. And so therefore, when we connect scripture with scripture, it appears to me that Micah is telling us that Jesus, the very spotless lamb of God, would have been born in the very same place as those shepherds who were guarding the sheep out in their flock by night, right? They were watching their flock by night. Those shepherds, right, around that same territory, right? And you, look in, you can look in Scripture and you can find out that that word territory means that coast, that area, that, that general vicinity. When the angel reveals it to them, they would have known that sacrificial lambs were literally laid in a manger after being wrapped with swaddling cloth in the tower of the flock, the Migdal Eder. Can I say this? 2024 is upon us. And let's just be honest. This world that we're living in every day, I don't know about you, it seems to me that it's spinning more and more out of control. Anybody? Spinning out of control in every direction. But my friends, there's one thing that's still certain today, just as it was yesterday, and it'll be certain tomorrow. And that's that Jesus Christ, the righteous, he humbled himself, he was born of a woman, he was made under the law, as Galatians 4, 4 and 5 tells us. He was born of a woman made under the law, verse number 5, to redeem those that were under the law. And the truth is, to be honest, he's the only one that could, that could literally accomplish such a feat. He's the only one who could accomplish that. Can I just say this on December the 31st, 2023? Maybe Christmas has passed, but don't let it pass you by today. The greatest gift, the greatest gift that has ever been offered to mankind... To humanity, the greatest gift that's ever been offered to humanity is that same unspeakable gift. It's that same gift that John said, the Lamb of God. When he said, behold, the Lamb of God, here he is, the one who taketh away the sin of the world. He is the perfect, the sinless, the spotless Lamb of God. And he was telling him, he says, hey, listen, quit looking at me. You need to look at Jesus. And can I tell you, Jesus is still on his throne today. Nobody has supplanted him. Nobody has taken charge of his throne. And the Bible tells us in the book of the Revelation, in chapter 5 and verse 11 and 12, and I'll close with these verses, John, he's given a glimpse of what's to come, but notice it says, he says, and I beheld, in other words, he said, I saw it with my own eyes. He was given this glimpse. He says, And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands. In verse number 12, saying with a loud voice. Watch it. He says, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. But what I want you to catch is when he says, worthy is the lamb that was slain, do you know that that word slain is the word that means butchered? Worthy is the lamb who was butchered. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Ephratah, When he was born in Bethlehem, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes just as spotless little baby lambs would have been wrapped because they would be led to the Passover. They would be led into Jerusalem to be sacrificed. Are you picking it up? Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes, not just because Jewish mothers knew that's what they did, He was wrapped in swaddling clothes and he was laid in a manger because he is a picture of the final sacrifice that you and I will ever need for our sins. He was born, yes. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes, yes. He was laid in a manger, yes, yes, yes. But all of this took place because Jesus was born to die. Worthy is the Lamb to be slain, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Oh, do you know Him this morning? Do you know the Lamb who was slain, who was butchered for your sins and for mine? Because that passage says that He not only came and died for my sins, but for the sins of the whole world. But guess what? That means... Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so if you don't know Jesus, the reality is that the significance of the swaddling cloth or the swaddling clothes, it still speaks pretty loudly today. And I pray that if you don't know him, that today you will realize that he did what he did for you. He was born. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes. He was laid in a manger and he ultimately set his face steadfastly and made his way to Jerusalem. Laid him, nobody laid him down. You say a bunch of bullies laid him down. No, he laid himself down. He gave of himself, laid himself down on an old cross and was raised up on old Golgotha for you and for me and for the sins of whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. And so if you've never trusted Christ, can I tell you, There's no greater way to enter into 2024 than with Jesus. And so I encourage you, as we pray, this is the time to call out upon the name of the Lord, as the Bible says, and to receive him, to trust him as your Lord, as your Savior. And I guarantee you this, he is a Lord who never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's a Lord who will never leave you nor forsake you. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. And even though this was maybe a very different message than maybe we are accustomed to, I pray that still, I pray that your word and and the connectivity that we see from the prophet Micah to Genesis 35 and and all the way to Luke chapter 2 and even when we connect it with the very end as we get close to the end of Scripture and Revelation, God, I pray. I pray that it's resonated, that it has accomplished exactly what you desire. You say, well, Pastor, I'm here, and I know a lot about Jesus, but I've never called upon Jesus. I've never asked Jesus to forgive me of my sin. I've never, I've never entered into this kind of this relationship with Jesus, and I'm not really even sure how to do that. And I tell you, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, it's as simple as believing that he is who he says he is. Understanding that we are sinners, we, we are separated, our sin has separated us from God. And so understanding that, we are, that we've all sinned and come short of God's glory, we look for a Savior and his name is Jesus. And so if you, in your heart of hearts, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and you understand that you need a Savior, then I would encourage you right now, as the Word of God and the Holy Spirit uh, moves in this place, I, I would ask you to just call out upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. And so maybe the Lord's working on your heart right now. You say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I don't understand it all, but I know that I need you. And I need you now more than ever. And so would you come into my life and would you change me from the inside and begin to do a work in my life that I might live for you and that I might honor you in the new year. Jesus, thank you for dying. Thank you for being born. Thank you for being wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger and on and on. Thank you for it all. Thank you for saving me. You say, Pastor, that's the prayer of my heart today and I meant it. I really meant it from the very depths of my heart. I called out upon Jesus for the forgiveness of my sin and I've trusted him today. Pastor, I just want to I want you to celebrate that. I want everyone to celebrate what God has done in my heart today. If that's you, would you just look at me real quick? Get my attention. If you trusted Christ, I see you. God bless you. Somebody else say, I meant that today. I meant that today. I I see you, bro. God bless you. That's awesome. Somebody else. Somebody else say. I'm trusting Christ today as the Savior of my life and I want you to know, I want you to celebrate with me. God bless you. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. Man, what a Savior. Anybody else? Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm a believer already. I'm already a believer, but would you pray for me as we enter into 2024 that I might might be more resolved to follow Jesus in 2024 than I did in 2023 would you pray for me would you pray for my walk would you just look at me get my attention put a hand up yes God bless you God bless you I see you God bless you God bless you say pastor pray for me I see you all pray for me that I might be more like Jesus in 2024 that I might walk according to his word that I might live out what his word tells me to live out God bless you I see you all God bless you I see you I see you young lady somebody else I see you bro God bless you Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the desire of your people to live for you. I pray that you will give us the wherewithal, that you will give us strength in the days ahead. I pray for those who made decisions of faith today, who have called out upon your name for the forgiveness of sin. and have entered into the greatest relationship of all. God, I pray that you would seal this decision in their heart, that they would tell somebody that they would celebrate their decision today and that they would take steps to learn more about you. God, I pray for all of us, those who are believers, that we might be more like Jesus, not only today but tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Lord, I pray that you would be honored and that you would be glorified through it. Father, I pray for those who need your wisdom, who need your your guidance in their life. I pray that they'll seek it. I pray for those who need healing in their lives. I pray that, Lord, as a great physician, you'll do exactly what you need to do according to your will. God, we love you. We thank you for all that's already been done. As we open up this time of invitation, Lord, we open up the altar not as a place of embarrassment, but as a place of acknowledgement as we come and we lay our petitions before your throne. As we come and offer praise to you, we open up this altar as you lead us. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and praise you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.